0: Gia, Slim Thugger, Boss Hog, Outlaws, Jim Johnson, huh, representing this Texas man. What's up
1: H-Town? As usual, this is Joey Wyatt. I'm here with Lance Edwards. And today we got the Texans shaking things up a little bit this morning. Not the trade we've been anticipating, but we did have a couple of moves from the Texans front office this morning. And we've also got some great college basketball games going on and to go over with you over the last couple of days, guys. uh, March Madness
0: Bracketology.
1: Bracketology. It's about to get real. This is where it gets fun.
0: You know, I'm very upset, though. Joey. About what? So Still mad about that Razor? No, I'm upset that the NCAA has done away with the Thursday, don't do anything at work day.
1: Yeah, I agree. Don't do anything at work Thursday. I
0: believe on Friday this year, I think the playing games are on Wednesday. The playing games, the first four, whatever you want to call it.
1: Yeah, man, I'm a little disappointed about that too. My days off are Thursday, so I was kind of looking forward to it. I have to
0: work Friday night, so I'm not going to be able to watch much of the games. I mean, look, I'm 36 years old, so I've been in the professional workforce for 14 years. I think I've gone 14 for 14, not doing a damn thing on Thursday, opening round of NCAA tournament. Yes, sir. That'd be nice. But now I'm disappointed. NCAA, this is a call to you, man. The 15th year, I'm out, down for the count. This is
1: inconveniencing Joey and Lance, NCAA. This is no bueno. So how many
0: brackets do you fill out?
1: I usually do two or three, one on ESPN and then a couple of on paper. I haven't filled any out yet, though. I'm kind of waiting. There's been so many toss-ups over the last couple of days as far as seeding, COVID, buzzer beaters. Great games going on, so I'm kind of
0: waiting this year. Yeah, it's going to be very interesting. Like, you know, What happens if you predict in the third round, the Sweet 16 round, somebody to beat Gonzaga, right? And then yeah. that team that you predict to win makes it to the Sweet 16 but gets a positive COVID test. Well, then, what happens to your bracket and the point system in your bracket? Yeah, what man. if Gonzaga loses in the next round? Like, what happens to the points that go there? That's
1: going to be a tough call. I guess whoever you are doing your brackets with is going to have to make up those rules as we go on a group-by-group basis. See, there's uh, a lot of BS what going into yeah, this already. A lot, a lot. What happens if we get a positive COVID co- test?
0: Uh, I don't know, man. That's a good question. Dead China virus is going to ruin my pool. Uh, don't go there. It's going to ruin my pool. A year later, it's still going to ruin my experience with the tournament.
1: At least we're having a tournament this year, man. Exactly. This time last year.
0: Freaking blessed, brother.
1: This time last year, it was tough. It was tough.
0: All right, so what's this uh, Texans news you got for me here?
1: All right, so like I said, it's not the Texans-Dolphins swap that we were all anticipating (laughs) or maybe even some of us hoping for. Uh, It's a precursor. Swap of linebackers instead. The Texans are trading Bernardrick McKinney. To the Dolphins, straight up for Shaq Lawson, and they are also swapping late round picks. I'm not sure about what pick numbers those are yet. No details have come out on that. But one thing I wouldn't do is I would not ignore the Texans and Dolphins starting dialogue under Nick Casario. We don't know how aggressive Casario might be. Uh, we do know that most fans weren't happy about Nick Casario coming in and continuing the trend of being the New England Patriots farm system. But the last time we saw something similar to this, the Browns took Brock Asweiler off of our hands, then traded with us shortly after on draft day. So Rick Smith could trade up and ultimately draft Deshaun Watson. So what I'm hoping here is this dialogue will kind of open the lesbian friends door and we'll see something similar.
0: I think the most alarming fact is the Texans literally gained nothing but maybe one pick. Yeah. I mean, it's basically – a contract swap. They're both making about $10 million a year. Both making about $10 mil a year. Shaq
1: Lawson's is a shorter deal. It's a three year instead of a five year deal. And I do believe BMAC just signed his contract last year. I'm a little disappointed. BMAC led the NFL in tackles two years ago. I believe he was top three or four last season. And from what I'm seeing here, Shaq Lawson has about 148 career tackles in five seasons. So I'm a little puzzled by this. What I'm hoping is that. They're taking on the contract, basically a contract swap like you said,
0: so they can dump this one a little quicker. So, comparing tackles, comparing quarterback rushes. Yeah. You know, I can understand if this was a straight linebacker for linebacker swap out. Yeah. But honestly, it's two totally different systems. You're basically switching over from a 3-4 defense which puts stats into your linebacker's pocket which is why McKinney had that many tackles. Trust but me. But the guy's a I, beast. I, I agree with you. He is a beast. He's hard. He, he, he doesn't let go, right? He gets his man to the ground. He makes – he's a great guy to fill the gap, fill the hole. He is a team player, knows his role in the defense. But he's a leader. if the Texans are switching out of a 3-4, how effective can he be in a 4-3? Now you have somebody that lines up across from Whitney Merciless if they're going to have four down linemen. Maybe Shaq Lawson has the career year, the best stat-collecting year of his lifetime. Who knows? Yeah. It's kind of a risk. It's kind of like going to the craps table and betting on a hard eight. And at that position, stats don't always tell the whole story.
1: Uh, Look at Jadavian Clowney. His numbers have never been great, but if you just watch the film, his presence... Being there, it disrupts an entire play, whether he's involved in a tackle or not. So that's something I'm kind of hoping that we see. I am going to miss Mac. I sat here two days ago and said, I think we got him locked in. You did. He's going to be the heart and soul of our defense. So this one kind of upset me a little bit. We'll see how this one plays out. Like you said, they are t- two completely different defenses. The 3-4 kind of does fill the stat sheet for a linebacker. So we'll see how this one plays out.
0: You know, I've, I've seen a lot of and I've heard a lot of, you know, back and forth about Who is going to be the face of the Texans if Deshaun Watson leaves? You know, I think the last podcast we had, it was back and forth about what Coley was saying about, you know, Watson's our quarterback and Watson's our quarterback right now. And how do you connotate that? And, you know, where does that lead? But, you know, I think the Texans do have a leader. If you do follow Twitter, if you do look at who is welcoming guys to the squad, every time the Texans make a move, the guy given the high fives on the social media huddle if you want to say it's Justin Reed. I love Justin Reed, man. Uh, to me uh, that's I that the guy, guy that's going to sell some jerseys and hopefully make some plays with all of his positive energy. Like they say you work hard, you live a positive life, good things come to you. Maybe the ball falls in his hands and maybe he's the guy that becomes that vocal leader on the off- on the defense. And maybe of the entire team, kind of like a honey badger, you know? Yeah, he was super banged up uh, towards the end of last season.
1: And I do believe he took the last few games off, rightfully so. We weren't going anywhere. I do love Justin Reed. He's a hard hitter. He plays fast. He's strong. His side-to-side footwork is a little iffy sometimes, but like you said, as far as being a leader or the face of a franchise with JJ gone, with Deshaun gone, with D-Hop gone, who have all been on the season tickets when you get them in hand this year, it's just going to be a blank blue that says Texans. They don't really have a face of a franchise right now. So I do think Justin Reed can
0: step in and be that guy. And also, (laughs) I just laugh at the predictability That was once the Houston Texans that is now out the window with Bill O'Brien being gone because everybody is expecting or saying, how is this guy going to fill into this role? Who knows what the roles are going to be? Everything is changing. This will be a completely new looking team. Once this season starts. Yeah, man, nobody knows yet.
1: I think everyone kind of has a little bit of PTSD after the last four years. Fans wake up expecting bad news every day, expecting that here-we-go-again mentality. But like you said... We have absolutely no idea how this front office is going to handle things on a week-to-week basis. New GM, new head coach. we got some new assistant coaches coming in, new guys in the front office. So Texans fans, try and be a little open to that. We have to give David Cully and Nick Casario a chance. We don't have a choice. As much as we may question the moves, we really don't know anything about them. And I think that's what makes us question them. But let's give these guys a chance to do their
0: job. See if we can create a new culture. I mean, I know that's a positive, positive, super positive, sickening, people-don't-want-to-hear-at-outlook. Oh, yeah. But I just feel like you, did, the organization, other than Cal, deserves that chance to step up, other than Easterby as well, right? Deserves that chance to prove itself. And, you know, I don't know if this team's going to go 4-12, and of course. I don't think the schedule has come out yet. And we don't know who they're going to draft and who will even be starting at quarterback, but let's say Deshaun is here. I mean, it automatically that could give you an 8-win season with a new attitude and new approach with him on the field. And you know what? You turn two games around that you win that you're not supposed to win, guess what? All of a sudden you're 10 and 8. People don't realize, I don't I don't even know if Texans fans know this or the I don't know if the conventional NFL fan knows this. When you win your division like the Texans did, scraped by and won the AFC South for like four out of five or six years. Yeah. Your next year's schedule is reflected upon that. It definitely you have is. to play the first place team from the north and from the west and from the east, okay? Guess what? The Texans are going to be playing the bottom of the barrel in the AFC next year. And if they don't have a great season, potentially the year after that as well. So it's going to be a great opportunity to chalk up wins, yes, against mediocre competition. So you might as well let these guys and let all these different steps fall into place and we should welcome them with open arms into Houston. I'm not saying Shaq Lawson was a great trade for Bernard McKinney. But I am going to say, you know, it's it's an even swap out. Who knows who the Texans are going to draft late with that late round draft pick. I mean, look, Mike Piazza's story, Tom Brady's story. Maybe Nick Casario's working some magic here. Maybe he's got some guy cooking that he knows is not going to go in the second or third round that might drop to the fourth or fifth round. that he's got his eye on that he doesn't want to waste a pick on. But now that he has an extra pick, they can do what they want on that draft board. Yeah, you know, I'm not going to judge anybody until I read the book, not going to judge it by its cover. Let's let them publish the book. Let's read the book and then let's rip on them down the road. Look, the time for ripping is done. We've done it for the past freaking four years. Okay, we've given up 15 yards of freaking play. We've. We've let teams march it down our throat, giving up 32 points per game. We've done all that, right? Crazy, man. So let's flip the script, change up our defense, get something that works. And who knows? Maybe we'll lose games 17 to 13 rather than 38 to 24. Maybe. Yeah, anyway. you know,
1: every, everybody wants the glam. Everyone wants the glam of that first and second round pick. But year after year, historically in the NFL, there is so much hidden buried treasure taken in these late round drafts, especially at important positions like the line or at DB. Very rarely do these high draft picks actually turn into what people hope they will be. So maybe, maybe Nick Casario and David Cully have a great draft. And who really knows? Like you said, we have to give these guys a chance. We did acquire three more late-round draft picks today. We actually swapped. The Texans also are trading three late-round draft picks for Marcus Cannon, uh, offensive lineman out of the New England Patriots. He was drafted by them in 2009. Okay. So uh, we didn't give up any. any... So he's a 12-year veteran. He's a 12-year veteran. a little wear and tear on the body. He took last season off because of COVID, Uh, and he has not reported this season yet because of the same reason because of covid concerns so i think the patriots were ready to be done with that we did not give up a player we did not give up a jersey number we are going to receive the 120th 158th and 194th pick we gave them the 109th 147th and the 187th pick so we got three picks and a player we got three picks so it's and a, a player. It's another pick swap yeah it's pick swaps and a player um I'm not too familiar about this guy, so I can't hear and sit here and talk about him for a long period of time. I do think that he's been in the league for this long. He has to be decent. I don't know if he's a starter, how many games he started. I haven't done my research on that yet. But we swapped basically very similar picks and got an offensive lineman in return. So we'll see how that one plays out as well.
0: So they're slowly rebuilding the offense. I don't know. Did we even talk about Mark Ingram or that happened after our last podcast as well? We have not
1: talked about Mark Ingram. I don't think we got the news until that one was over. So, so I mean, look,
0: at the, look, at the, look at the subtle moves that are being made already here in the month of March. Talk about March Madness. Yeah. Maybe they got some March Madness going on over there off Kirby.
1: And Mark Ingram seems excited to be here. He went off on Twitter. I don't care what anybody has to say about Houston. I'm in this to ride. So just seeing that he was excited to be here is a huge breath of fresh air. And I do think having a guy like that in the locker room with a locker room full of these young, discouraged guys that have just been bashed in the media for not wanting to be here, and you know, fans have just taken on this mindset lately that nobody wants to be in Houston to see Mark Ingram come out and say, I'm excited to be here. I don't care what anybody says. That's a huge breath of fresh air, and I think that's going to go a long way in the locker room. Also, Mark Ingram and David Johnson. Two-headed
0: monster. It's a
1: two-headed monster. They might be a little old, but those guys are going to be great leaders in the locker room and on the field, and I'm not disappointed in that.
0: So now the Texans have 40% of their offensive line revamped, if Marcus Cannon puts out, right? Yeah. Because they just signed Justin Britt the other day. They did. To replace Nick Martin as well. Another guy that hasn't played in a so, couple of years. like I said, the cap's still sitting out there, about $20, 23000000 million remaining. Who knows what kind of move they can make after going through the draft and filling as many gaps. There will be, I said, Eight to ten new faces on this team. And guess what? We've already seen three added without the draft even happening yet. So, hey, I look, I like change. This change was so necessary. It might not be the change that the city of Houston wants. It's ultimately, definitely not that. Yeah. Ultimately. But I'll tell you what. You're in for a Christmas in July type present when training cramps. Camp training cramps training cramps. (laughs) I did the same thing earlier. We should coin that training cramps training cramps. Drink your Gatorade and pickle juice. That sounds a little weird. (laughs) But no, we might be in for a surprise if Deshaun Watson's still holding the playbook when they're inside the bubble doing their thing.
1: Yeah, man, that's all we can hope for. And just to repeat what we both already said, we have to give this new front office a chance, guys. Change sucks, especially since we've been right on the brink over the last few years. Every year is supposed to be better. I came into last season super excited. Look what we did down the stretch. We had the toughest schedule over the first half of the season last year, by far, by any team in like the last five years. And I had us going four and two. We ended up going like one and five. So I was completely wrong there. Last season was a huge letdown, but I think it led to these necessary changes, and we just have to go into this with an open mind, guys. The draft is coming up. I expect to see a few more moves made before that, possibly some on draft night. So let's just give this team a chance. Let's give David Cully a chance. Let's give Nick Casario a chance, and we really don't have a choice. At this point, we kind of just have to let this play out, guys, and see where it goes.
0: You know, 10 years ago, I probably would have like thrown my phone at the wall and Been upset during the Kansas City Chiefs loss two playoff seasons ago. Most definitely. But now that I have matured, (laughs) if you want to call it that, Joey. I think, they, I, I, I think it's I scarred. The, I have the patience. I think it's
1: scar tissue. I don't think it's maturity. I think it's scar tissue because we have just <laughs> become used to this out of this franchise, well, we have and tough that's skin. something I hope we can break the <laughs> tough, mold on.
0: thick skin.
1: You know, we were, we, we were, we've been great for three out of 20 seasons, so I think it's just something that we're used to, man. No consistency, heartbreak, and letdown. But all we can hope is that it's different this time around. I also don't like this coaching culture lately we give these guys one or two years and then fire them if they don't win right away i think we need to give these guys three or four years see where it goes and then move on from there if it doesn't work
0: i agree with that i can see that yeah
1: it's so everybody is in such win now mode in every sport across every league and these coaches just aren't getting the chance to build the camaraderie with their teams like they used to it's just a win now mentality if you don't get a ring in two years you're gone and i'm not a fan of that so hopefully David Cully comes in, proves all of us wrong, because I'm not a believer either, but I have to be optimistic about it. And I think that's, that's all we can do, guys. You know who
0: does consistently win?
1: Who's that? Tom Brady?
0: I'm going to throw it all the way off to a different subject. Okay. The Texas Southern Tigers, baby. There we go. That's awesome. Did you know that they are nine-time SWAC champions? I did not know that. You talk about the culture do. of winning – they beat PV. Blew them out, baby. 19 points to win the SWAC title. Wasn't PV the number the one seed? PV was the number yeah. one seed. All right, that's awesome. And you, know, and you know how Texas Southern does it? They coaching. go out and they play coaching, and they go out and play Oklahoma State, Washington State, St. Mary, BYU. They beat Wyoming on the road, played Auburn. They stack up the losses by playing awesome competition, and they're mentally prepared to whoop anybody's butt in the swack at that tournament every single year. So congratulations to the Tigers. They're 16-8 and on the season, and they're going dancing, baby. They're going dancing. That's awesome. Like you said. They'll join the U of H Cougars, but but it's a mentality thing, you know?
1: They had to stack these losses against these tough teams, and that's a little bit of the politics I'm not crazy about when it comes to college sports, when you have these – Teams, that should be a Division Four school playing guys like Auburn and Alabama and Wyoming. And don't tell
0: TSU that, though. They don't feel like they're a Division Four team.
1: No, I know. I know. But you, you get what I'm saying here.
0: Right. You know, so I'm happy for these guys. They
1: came out, beat the number one seed. They punched their ticket, and I'm excited. I'm excited to see how this plays out.
0: Man, I love basketball. I love college basketball. It was a great weekend watching sports.
1: It was. Didn't you agree? It was. It was awesome.
0: That U of H game
1: last night had me on the edge of my seat. The one against Memphis? The one against Memphis. I believe we were up 13 at the half. Came out, scored one point on a free throw, and then we just went scoreless for about four or five minutes. We let Memphis come back to tie the game, and they even took the lead by four points, I believe. Uh, It came down to the wire. I was on the edge of my seat. I wanted to beat Memphis so bad. I've got a buddy that's a huge Memphis Tiger fan, and we were doing a little bit of crap talk uh, through text messages over a couple-day period there. He was upset about that buzzer beater last week. Then when Memphis came back to take the lead last night, I got a text message saying, it's over. It's over. And there was a questionable hook-and-hold no-call offensive foul last night on Bryson Gresham, DeAndre Williams, Memphis's best player. Basically had the dude in a chokehold, and we had the ball to tie the game. Basically put this guy in a chokehold. They review it. Call an offensive foul. Kelvin Sampson goes off. I thought he was gonna get kicked hey, out of the game. Hey, the, the tie, the tie comes off, baby. The tie comes off. Kelvin Sampson, he's so passionate when he's
0: upset about something. When he's mad, he doesn't hold back. He does not Trust hold me.
1: back. He was he We've, walked out on
0: the court and was <laughs> cussing at Memphis wait, he's players. Mad, wait, he's mad forty minutes per game. My my bad. <laughs> It's all He's good, always man. mad. You
1: know, we did come back and win the game. Uh, it was a huge weight lifted off my shoulders. I was extremely worried about that. And they are playing the Cincinnati Bearcats right now for that uh, number one seed for that AAC championship. So we'll bring that to you on Tuesday, guys.
0: Yeah, for sure. We'll break down brackets coming up on Tuesday. Um did you see at the end of that Memphis game when Giroux has his arm around Samson and oh, they're walking yeah. off the court? Yeah. And he's, he's just talking. He's like, Coach, calm he's down. Smile a little. What do, he, what do you think that conversation's all about? You know, do, do, do you think they, uh, that Samson was mad that they just threw the ball up to get the tip with, like, three-tenths of a second left and the ball went out of bounds? He was like, we could have done better than that. What do you think he was upset about? Or was he just upset about the AAU-style basketball game that was played? He was still Memphis ticked off that Houston?
1: DeAndre Williams fouled out twice, basically. The second one was a makeup call, don't get me wrong. But he had Bryson Gresham in a chokehold. And after that, Calvin Samson was yelling the whole time, DeAndre Williams is taking those free throws from that foul. And Kelvin Sampson is on the sideline. When you watch it slow down, he's yelling, Bull crap" Every time DeAndre Williams shoots the ball. So he was just upset. The minute they called final, he walked up to Quinones uh, of Memphis, the player, and just started going off in his ear. <laughs> so I don't know if he's going to get some kind of fan, fine for that or not. That's when. Yeah. That's when... That's when Dejan Dreau walked up, took his coach by the neck, and pulled him basically okay. into the locker room. Yeah. So
0: that's when he was basically like, oh, it's all right, coach. We want coach. It's yeah, all right. He was it's in all right. He was in the Memphis
1: players' ears yelling at him, man. Uh, I guess they were talking crap from the sideline. Kelvin Sampson does not put up with that. So Dejan Dreau kind of had to break it up there a little bit and drag Kelvin Sampson into the locker room.
0: Well, here's what I'm going to say about the way that game was played yesterday, or I guess Saturday. Yeah. If Memphis and U of H, style basketball game is played in the NCAA tournament with an SEC officiating crew calling the game there will be 75 fouls called in that game and every single player will foul out and I told you that over text message while watching the game you most definitely did I mean they were letting them get away with third degree murder out there it was a hard-fought game
1: great defense each other great each other in the face on both ends of the floor elbows in the chest yeah man it was awesome it reminded me of watching a of watching an old school basketball game, they were letting them get away with a lot there until the last three or four minutes.
0: Yeah, it was like Pistons-Knicks, Pistons-Bulls.
1: Two very similar teams also. Uh, They both play great defense in the paint. DeAndre Williams, as much as I couldn't stand the guy last night, he is one of the best in the country in the paint uh, when it comes to rebounding. And we have two of our own guys the same way. So it was a great game. I'm glad we pulled the win out. And we are going to bring you some more bracketology on Tuesday, like Lance said.
0: That um, Memphis guy, Williams, you're talking about? Yeah. He's a Klein Forest product. I did not know
1: that. Now I know. He is from the City of Athletes. That's awesome. I see that Marcus Cannon here is from the Houston area, and he went to TCU. Really? Yes, sir. There you go. Going back to
0: the Texans trade. Going back to the City of Athletes one more time. He just wants to retire in his hometown, Yes, sir. So I got to throw out two things here. They're not necessarily related to Houston, but I just got to say, it's so cool. To see, I guess it kind of is related to Houston because Akeem Olajuwon owned this dude back in the 90s. It's cool to see Patrick Ewing on the year that John Thompson dies take a crap, 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 crap Georgetown Hoya team and run through the Big East Tournament and qualify, win the championship, and now they're going dancing. And he did it inside Madison Square Garden, who earlier in the week, and we posted this on our Houston Holler Facebook page, Denied him at the gate because he didn't have his press, he didn't have his coaching credential to get into Madison Square Garden. So in his post game, he was like, "Dude, I'm Patrick Ewing. Everybody in this damn place should know who I am."
1: (laughs) Yeah, they should. You know, that's like that's like Michael Jordan walking into the United Center in the '90s. That's like Tiger Woods walking into Augusta and Craig Biggio walking into Minute Maid Ballpark. Craig Biggio walking into Minute Maid Park, and they're like, "Sir, where's your ticket?" I kind of feel bad for these young guys that were just doing their job, but I I think, like I said, that starts at the top. James Dolan, he's done it to Charles Oakley, Spike Lee, now Patrick Ewing. I I think that's all on the ownership. But just think about how honorable
0: that is for Patrick Ewing. Like, what he had to say to his kids to motivate them, because John Thompson obviously is a legend in the game of NCAA basketball. legend. And you played for John Thompson. He passes away. It's an emotional year. Your team has underperformed all season long. And then they go out and just whoop the tar out of Creighton in the championship game. It it wasn't even close.
1: They've won a lot of great games over the last week and a half. And like I said the other day, I love Patrick Ewing. I loved watching Akeem own him. He's one of those guys, one of those Hall of Famers that never got his much-deserved ring. And watching that Creighton game, all I could think about was John Thompson. It made me a little emotional, honestly. So I'm extremely happy for the Hoyas.
0: And then last but not least, I just have to throw this out there because I I posted this on my personal Facebook page and Twitter. The most amazing interview I've seen live after a basketball game after the Georgia Tech victory over Florida State, Jose Alvarado was just so, like, he had the happy tears rolling, bro. Like, he was so happy. He was like, "I I didn't even deserve to be here. They said I wouldn't even be in the ACC And Coach John Pastor gave me this opportunity to come play at Georgia Tech. And then he's first team, all ACC, Defensive Player of the Year. And I think he had like eight or nine steals in the championship game to go along with like 10, 12 points and eight assists. Like, dude was – the balloons fell from the Raptors in the stadium – and he was like rolling around like a five-year-old boy at a water park. That's one of the things you have
1: to love about high school and college sports, man. It is all heart. It's all heart. These are still young men maturing, growing into adults. And they aren't doing it for the money at this point. It's just all heart. It's for the love of the game. And I didn't get to see what you're talking about, but listening to it, it kind of reminds me of that Aaron Fox-Bam at a Bayou interview a few years ago. And those guys broke down in the postgame after they lost. Um, It's just awesome, man. The emotion of college sports is one of the things that makes it so
0: great. I don't know what you have to search on Twitter. If I can find it, I will retweet it over to our at Holla Houston. That's Houston Holla on Twitter page. But if you can find that Josh Pastner story or that interview from after the game, and even he was just like like we talked about earlier and what we're all about, Joey, that positive attitude and just doing things right. He was so appreciative. He was like, I'm appreciative of ESPN broadcasting this game on primetime when duke and north carolina and virginia all weren't even in it you know and he was just he was so elated that his team had succeeded yeah man, and they weren't even awesome. picked to finish like in the top half of the conference so hard work pays off baby
1: you know and these some of these sports programs literally save some of these kids lives i don't know the kids backstory but there are a lot of young athletes in prep sports that have nothing to look forward to at home. And this, this builds their character and who they're going to be as people for the rest of their lives. So that's just one of the things you have to absolutely love about college sports. If somebody's situation doesn't pan out the way the next person's does, they can fall back on this and they can use it as a building block for the rest of their life. And college sports, the emotion that go into it, especially during March Madness, it's just awesome.
0: So good stuff all the way around. Last shout-out I want to give before we wrap things up here, Joey. Rough, rough, rough week for our Region 3 H-Town basketball teams, girls and boys. Tears, man,
1: tears. We wanted that trophy. Harden Jefferson
0: couldn't pull it off. Huffman couldn't pull it off. Cy Creek mm, couldn't pull it off. But one team that did pull it off, my friend. Your
1: boys in the 409.
0: The boys over in the 409. Beaumont United, man, if you don't know much about that school. Look, it's been open for two or three. It's been open for 3 years now. David Green, who did win a state championship at North Shore as well and coached, I think now his third team to a state championship, is the head coach over there that combined Central and Ozan. Ozan of course where Kendrick Perkins went to high school back in the early 2000s. K Pert and shout out to the boys from the 409, going 31 and 0 on the season. It's crazy, man. Dude, they beat Terrence Dallas Arsenault. Kimball. They beat a
1: Dallas team, so that's even better. Yeah, they beat
0: Dallas Kimball. Yeah, yeah can't stand those Dallas programs. <laughs> dude, Terrence Arsenault, dude, ultimate ice water in his veins, man. He's yeah. only a junior. I think he's about six foot six. He's a been offered about four or five schools, including your U of H Cougars, to go play basketball in a couple of years. All right, you're down two, excuse me, you're down three with like 11 seconds left. He hits a three to put the game in the overtime. And then down two from an out-of-bounds play on the sideline with like 10 seconds left. He nails a clutch three to win the state championship in Class 5A.
1: Yeah, man, it's so awesome. You know, you watch these college teams, and every single player on these teams was the best player in their school district. or the best player at their school, you know, and... Not a lot of appreciation goes into that, and this kid just hit two buzzer beaters to win the state championship and take his team to 31-0. So much love to Terrence Arsenault, man. That's awesome.
0: And I'm going to give a little bit of love to the Region 3 overall because I've watched a lot of Region 3 basketball in the past few years, and I'm not dogging Yates and Silsby and some other programs to just get after it and play that AAU-style rough, tough, let's beat them up defense, you Yeah, full-court press 24-7. But i got to give it to Beaumont United and a lot of teams that I've seen this year from our area that actually run offenses and run great sets and do things right. Kimball was out there just scrapping, 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 and making plays and hitting buckets and took that late lead with eight seconds left or whatever. But it's Beaumont United that prevailed doing things right and doing things intelligently, and that reflects their coach and their leadership. So well done, T-Wolves. And uh, to the teams that lost, Cy Creek,
1: um, Hardin Jefferson, they are all greatly run programs. They've got great coaching staffs out there, so don't be surprised if we see them back in the dance.
0: Yeah, just year in and year out, it seems to be the same 16 teams. Someone's got to lose, man. Getting to that late round of the playoffs. All right, it's getting late on a Sunday. Once again, we want to thank you for tuning in to the Houston Hollow Podcast. Share us with your friends tell everybody about us and do not miss us later this week when we're gonna go at it man with my sheet of integrity mike golick style versus joey's three or four brackets he's gonna fill out
1: yeah we've got some great stuff coming to you this week we're gonna have some fun episodes coming and as always i like to close this out with be kind to each other houston love each other that's all we have is each other high fives and
0: hugs high fives and hugs
1: hugs and high fives holla houston